Section two of Danger and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Danger and Other Stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Section two of Danger, Part two. I was still looking at the sinking Adela when Vornal, who was beside me, gave a sudden cry of warning and surprise, gripping me by the shoulder and turning my head. There behind us, coming up the fairway, was a huge black vessel with black funnels, flying the well-known house flag of the P and O Company. She was not a mile distant, and I calculated in an instant that even if she had seen us, she would not have time to turn and get away before we could reach her. We went straight for her, therefore keeping a wash just as we were. They saw the sinking vessel in front of them, and that little dark speck moving over the surface, and they suddenly understood their danger. I saw a number of men rush to the bows, and there was a rattle of rifle fire. Two bullets were flattened upon our four-inch armor. You might as well try to stop a charging bull with paper pellets as the iota with rifle fire. I had learned my lesson from the Adela, and this time I had the torpedo discharged at a safer distance, two hundred and fifty yards. We caught her amidships, and the explosion was tremendous, but we were well outside its area. She sank almost instantly. I am sorry for her people, of whom I hear that more than two hundred, including seventy Lascars and forty passengers, were drowned. Yes, I am sorry for them. But when I think of the huge floating granary that went to the bottom, I rejoice as a man does who has carried out that which he plans. It was a bad afternoon for the P&O Company. The second ship which we destroyed was, as we have since learned, the Moldavia, of fifteen thousand tons, one of their finest vessels. But about half-past three we blew up the Cusco, of eight thousand, of the same line, also from eastern ports, and laden with corn. Why she came on in face of the wireless messages, which must have warned her of danger, I cannot imagine. The other two steamers which we blew up that day, the Maid of Athens, Robeson Line, and the Cormorant, were neither of them provided with apparatus, and came blindly to their destruction. Both were small boats of from five thousand to seven thousand tons. In the case of the second, I had to rise to the surface and fire six twelve-pound shells under her water-line before she would sink. In each case the crew took to the boats, and so far as I know, no casualties occurred. After that no more steamers came along, nor did I expect them. Warnings must by this time have been flying in all directions. But we had no reason to be dissatisfied with our first day. Between the Maplin Sands and the Nora, we had sunk five ships of a total tonnage of about fifty thousand tons. Already the London markets would begin to feel the pinch, and Lloyd's, poor old Lloyd's, what a demented state it would be in. I could imagine the London evening papers and the howling in Fleet Street. We saw the result of our actions, for it was quite laughable to see the torpedo boats buzzing like angry wasps out of sheerness in the evening. They were darting in every direction across the estuary, and the airplanes and the hydroplanes were like flights of crows, black dots against the red western sky. 
they quartered the whole river mouth until they discovered us at last some sharp-sighted fellow with a telescope on board of a destroyer got a sight of our periscope and came for us full speed no doubt he would very gladly have rammed us even if it had meant his own destruction but that was not part of our program at all i sank her and ran her east southeast with an occasional rise finally we brought her to not very far from the kentish coast and the searchlights of our pursuers were far on the western skyline and there we lay quietly all night for a submarine at night is nothing more than a very third-rate surface torpedo boat besides we were all weary and needed rest do not forget you captains of men when you grease and trim your pumps and compressors and rotators that the human machine needs some tending also i had put up the wireless mast above the conning tower and had no difficulty in calling up captain stephan he was lying he said off ventnor and had been unable to reach his station on account of engine trouble which he had now set right next morning he proposed to block the southampton approach he had destroyed one large indian boat on his way down channel we exchanged good wishes and like myself he needed rest i was up at four in the morning however and called all hands to overhaul the boat she was somewhat up by the head owing to the forward torpedoes having been used and so we trimmed her by opening the forward compensating tank admitting as much water as the torpedoes had weighed we also overhauled the starboard air compressor and one of the periscope motors which had been jarred by the shock of the first explosion we had hardly got ourselves shipshape when the morning dawned i have no doubt that a good many ships which had taken refuge in the french ports at the first alarm had run across and got safely up the river in the night of course i could have attacked them but i do not care to take risks and there are always risks for a submarine at night but one had miscalculated his time and there she was just abreast of warden point when the daylight disclosed her to us in an instant we were after her it was a near thing for she was a flyer and could do two miles to our one but we just reached her as she went swashing by she saw us at the last moment for i attacked her awash since otherwise we could not have had the pace to reach her she swung away and the first torpedo missed but the second took her full under the counter heavens what a smash the whole stern seemed to go aloft i drew off and watched her sink she went down in seven minutes leaving her masts and funnels over the water and a cluster of her people holding on to them she was the virginia of the bibby line twelve thousand tons and laden like the others with foodstuffs from the east the whole surface of the sea was covered with a floating grain john bull will have to take up a hole or two of his belt if this goes on said vornal as we watched the scene and it was at that moment that the very worst danger occurred that could befall us i tremble now to think how our glorious voyage might have been nipped in the bud i had freed the hatch of my tower and was looking at the boats of the virginia with vornal near me when there was a swish and a terrific splash in the water besides us which covered us both with spray we looked up and you can imagine our feelings when we saw an aeroplane hovering a few hundred feet above us like a hawk with its silencer it was perfectly noiseless 
and had its bomb not fallen into the sea we should never have known what had destroyed us she was circling round in the hope of dropping a second one but we shoved on all speed ahead crammed down the rudders and vanished into the side of a roller i kept the deflection indicator falling until i had put fifty good feet of water between the aeroplane and ourselves for i knew well how deeply they can see under the surface however we soon threw her off our track and when we came to the surface near margate there was no sign of her unless she was one of several which we saw hovering over Hearn Bay. There was not a ship in the offing save a few small coasters and little thousand-ton steamers, which were beneath my notice. For several hours I lay submerged with a blank periscope, and then I had an inspiration. Orders had been marconied to every food ship to lie in French waters and dash across after dark. I was as sure of it as if they had been recorded in our own receiver well if they were there that was where i should be also i blew out the tanks and rose for there was no sign of any warship near they had some good system of signaling from the shore however for i had not got to north foreland before three destroyers came foaming after me all converging from different directions they had about as good a chance of catching me as three spaniels would of overtaking a porpoise out of pure bravado i know it was very wrong i waited until they were actually within gunshot and then i sank and we saw each other no more it is as i have said a shallow sandy coast and submarine navigation is very difficult the worst mishap that can befall a boat is to bury its nose in the side of a sand drift and be held there such an accident might have been the end of our boat though with our flus cylinders and electric lamps we should have found no difficulty in getting out at the airlock and in walking across the bed of the ocean as it was however i was able thanks to our excellent charts to keep the channel and so to gain the open streets there we rose about midday but observing a hydroplane at no great distance we sank again for half an hour when we came up for the second time all was peaceful around us and the english coast was lining the whole western horizon we kept outside the goodwins and straight down the channel until we saw a line of black dots in front of us which i knew to be the dover callus torpedo boat cordon when two miles distant we dived and came up again seven miles to the southwest without one of them dreaming that we had been within thirty feet of their keels when we rose a large steamer flying the german flag was within half a mile of us it was the north german lloyd altona from new york to bremen i raised our whole hull and dipped our flag to her it was amusing to see the amazement of her people at what they must have regarded as our unparalleled impudence in those english swept waters they cheered us heartily and the tricolor flag was dipped in greeting as they went roaring past us and then i stood in to the french coast it was exactly as i had expected there were three great british steamers lying at anchor in boulogne outer harbor they were the caesar the king of the east and the pathfinder none less than ten thousand tons i suppose they thought they were safe in french waters but what did I care about three-mile limits and international law? The view of my government was that England was blockaded food contraband and vessels carrying it to be destroyed. 
The lawyers could argue about it afterwards. My business was to starve the enemy any way I could. Within an hour, the three ships were under the waves, and the iota was streaming down the Picardy coast, looking for fresh victims. The channel was covered with English torpedo boats buzzing and whirling like a cloud of midges. How they thought they could hurt me, I cannot imagine, unless by accident I were to come up underneath one of them. More dangerous were the airplanes, which circled here and there. The water being calm, I had several times to descend as deep as a hundred feet before I was sure that I was out of their sight. After I had blown up the three ships at Boulogne, I saw two airplanes flying down channel, and I knew that they would head off any vessels which were coming up. There was one very large white steamer lying off Havre, but she steamed west before I could reach her. I dare say Stefan or one of the others would get her before long, but those infernal airplanes spoiled our sport for that day. Not another steamer did I see, save the never-ending torpedo boats. I consoled myself with the reflection, however, that no food was passing me on its way to London. That was what I was there for, after all. If I could do it, without spending my torpedoes, all the better. Up to date, I had fired ten of them, and sunk nine steamers, so I had not wasted my weapons. That night I came back to the Kent coast, and lay upon the bottom in shallow water near Dungeness. We were all trimmed and ready at the first break of day, for I expected to catch some ships which had tried to make the Thames in the darkness, and had miscalculated their time. Sure enough, there was a great steamer coming up channel, and flying the American flag. It was all the same to me what flag she flew, so long as she was engaged in conveying contraband of war to the British Isles. There were no torpedo boats about at the moment, so I ran out on the surface and fired a shot across her bows. She seemed inclined to go on, so I put a second one just above her waterline on her port bow. She stopped then, and a very angry man began to gesticulate from the bridge. I ran the iota almost alongside. Are you the captain? I asked. What the? I won't attempt to reproduce his language. You have foodstuffs on board, I said. It's an American ship, you blind beetle, he cried. Can't you see the flag? It's the Romandia of Boston. Sorry, Captain, I answered. I really have no time for words. Those shots of mine will bring the torpedo boats, and I dare say at this very moment your wireless is making trouble for me. Get your people into the boats. I had to show him I was not bluffing, so I drew off and began putting shells into him just on the water line. When I had knocked six holes in it, he was very busy on his boats. I fired twenty shots altogether, and no torpedo was needed, for she was lying over with a terrible list to port, and presently came right on to her side. There she lay for two or three minutes before she foundered. There were eight boats crammed with people lying round her when she went down. I believe everybody was saved, but I could not wait to inquire. From all quarters the poor old panting, useless war vessels were hurrying. I filled my tanks, ran her bows under, and came up fifteen miles to the south. Of course I knew there would be a big row afterwards, as there was, but that did not help the starving crowds round the London bakers, who only saved their skins, poor devils, by explaining to the mob that they had nothing to bake. 
By this time I was becoming rather anxious as you can imagine to know what was going on in the world and what England was thinking about it all I ran alongside a fishing boat therefore and ordered them to give up their papers Unfortunately, they had none except a rag of an evening paper, which was full of nothing but betting news in a second attempt I came alongside a small yachting party from Eastbourne who were frightened to death at our sudden appearance out of the depths From them we were lucky enough to get the London courier of that very morning It was interesting reading so interesting that I had to announce it to all the crew of course You know the British style of headline which gives you all the news at a glance It seemed to me that the whole paper was headlines. It was in such a state of excitement Hardly a word about me and my flotilla we were on the second page the first one began something like this capture of Blankenberg destruction of enemy's fleet burning of town Trawlers destroy minefield loss of two battleships is it the end of course what I had foreseen had occurred the town was actually occupied by the British and they thought it was the end we would see about that on round the corner page at the back of the glorious resonant leaders there was a little column which read like this hostile submarines several of the enemy's submarines are at sea and have inflicted some appreciable damage upon our merchant ships the danger spots upon monday and the greater part of tuesday appear to have been the mouth of the thames and the western entrance to the solent on monday between the nore and margate there were sunk five large steamers the Adela, Moldavia, Cusco, Cormorant, and Maid of Athens, particulars of which will be found below. Near Ventnor on the same day was sunk the Virulum from Bombay. On Tuesday, the Virginia, Caesar, King of the East and Pathfinder, were destroyed between the Foreland and Boulogne. The latter three were actually lying in French waters, and the most energetic representations have been made by the government of the Republic. On the same day the Queen of Sheba Orantes Diana and Atalanta were destroyed near the needles Wireless messages have stopped all ingoing cargo ships from coming up channel But unfortunately there is evidence that at least two of the enemy submarines are in the West Four cattle ships from Dublin to Liverpool were sunk yesterday evening while three Bristol bound steamers the Hilda Mercury and Maria Tosser were blown up in the neighborhood of Lundy Island Commerce has so far as possible been diverted into safer channels But in the meantime however vexatious these incidents may be and however grievous the loss both to the owners and to Lloyd's We may console ourselves by the reflection that since a submarine cannot keep the sea for more than ten days without refitting and since the base has been captured there must come a speedy term to these depredations So much for the courier's account of our proceedings another small paragraph was however more eloquent The price of wheat which stood at 35 shillings a week before the declaration of war was quoted yesterday on the Baltic at 52 maize has gone from 21 to 37 barley from 19 to 35 Sugar foreign granulated from 11 shillings and three pence to 19 shillings and six pence Good my lad said I when I read it to the crew I can assure you that those few lines will prove to mean more than the whole page about the fall of Blankenberg Now let us get down channel 
and send those prices up a little higher all traffic had stopped for london not so bad for the little iota and we did not see a steamer that was worth a torpedo between dungeness and the isle of wight there i called stephan up by wireless and by seven o'clock we were actually lying side by side in a smooth rolling sea Hengisbury head bearing north northwest and about five miles distant the two crews clustered on the whalebacks and shouted their joy at seeing friendly faces once more stephan had done extraordinarily well i had of course read in the london paper of his four ships on tuesday but he had sunk no fewer than seven since for many of those which should have come to the thames had tried to make southampton of the seven one was of twenty thousand tons a grain ship from america a second was a grain ship from the black sea and two others were great liners from south africa i congratulated stefan with all my heart upon his splendid achievement then as we had been seen by a destroyer which was approaching at a great pace we both dived coming up again off the needles where we spent the night in company we could not visit each other since we had no boat but we lay so nearly alongside that we were able stefan and i to talk from hatch to hatch and so make our plans he had shot away more than half his torpedoes and so had i and yet we were very averse to returning to our base so long as our oil held out i told him of my experience with the boston steamer and we mutually agreed to sink the ships by gunfire in future so far as possible I remember old Horlai saying what use is a gun aboard a submarine we were about to show I read the English paper to Stefan by the light of my electric torch and we both agreed that a few ships would now come up the channel that sentence about diverting commerce to safer routes could only mean that the ships would go round the north of Ireland and unload at Glasgow oh for two more ships to stop that entrance heavens what would england have done against a foe with thirty or forty submarines since we only needed six instead of four to complete her destruction after much talk we decided that the best plan would be that i should dispatch a cipher telegram next morning from a french port to tell them to send the four second-rate boats to cruise off the north of ireland and west of scotland then when i had done this I should move down channel with Stefan and operate at the mouth while the two other boats could work in the Irish Sea Having made these plans I set off across the channel in the early morning reaching the small village of Etretat in Brittany There I got off my telegram and then laid my course for Falmouth Passing under the keels of two British cruisers which were making eagerly for Etretat having heard by wireless that we were there Halfway down channel we had trouble with a short circuit in our electric engines and were compelled to run on the surface for several hours while we replaced one of the camshafts and renewed some washers it was a ticklish time for had a torpedo boat come upon us we could not have dived the perfect submarine of the future will surely have some alternative engines for such an emergency however by the skill of engineer morrow we got things going once more all the time we lay there i saw a hydroplane floating between us and the british coast i can understand how a mouse feels when it is in a tuft of grass and sees a hawk high up in the heavens however all went well the mouse became a water rat it wagged its tail in derision 
at the poor blind old hawk and it dived down into a nice safe green quiet world where there was nothing to injure it end of part two of danger